Okay, as we start another week here, this is Monday, June 5th, 2023. Game two tonight, Vegas Golden Knights looking to take a 2-0 series lead over the Florida Panthers. You can watch this one this evening on Hockey Night in Canada and the NHL on Sportsnet. Coming up on today's program, and by the way, welcome to the week. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed Saturday's action. That was a really good hockey game we saw Saturday night. Uh, we cross our fingers for something similar, regardless of the score and who you cheer for here later on this evening when these two teams hook up once again. By the way, where does that Aiden Hill save rank for you, right? Are we at the uh, the Braden Holtby, Alex Tuck save from once upon a time in the Stanley Cup final? Discuss amongst yourselves. Coming up on the show today, Elliot's going to stop by here in a couple of moments. We've got a lot to get to with uh, with Elliot. Elliot's in Vegas, of course, uh, with the Hockey Night crew for uh, for Game 2 this evening. Uh, we can get into that. Uh, we should also probably have a, a conversation about some of the things uh, that we heard from Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, Commissioner of the NHL and Deputy Commissioner uh, of the NHL. A couple of things there we should get a little more specific about. Uh, one, the situation with the Arizona Coyotes. I always catch myself when I say this, right, because the saga has been going on since, you know, we uh, we acquainted ourselves with names like Jerry Moyes and uh, Judge Redfield T-Bomb. But nonetheless, we'll uh, we'll talk about the Arizona Coyotes situation uh, because that story continues. And it seems as if more so than ever, there is a sort of not so subtle nudging to something different from the commissioner. Now, Gary Bettman has always gone to bat for that market. And if you know anything about that market, you understand why. Um it is one of the most desirable markets, uh, sports markets or otherwise, in the entire United States. And when you're selling nationally, the first question they ask is, do you have all of these markets? And if not, why not? And Arizona is one of those markets. Um, but when you hear when you hear the commissioner say something needs to happen in the relatively near term, and when you hear the commissioners say something along the lines of there is a ticking clock for sure, uh, you know, something's afoot. Uh, could that mean a relocation? And could that mean a relocation to a destination like Salt Lake City? Now, I know we've talked a lot about Atlanta. That conversation continues. Houston, ditto. Um, but Salt Lake City has appeared on the map here around the NHL. And last week, Elliot and I had a chance to sit down with the man who's trying to bring the NHL to Salt Lake City. His name is Ryan Smith. He's from Eugene, Oregon. He's the owner of the Utah Jazz of the NBA and Salt Lake's team um, in the MLS. And he's trying to bring a uh, NHL squad to Utah. We're going to play some of that interview that you heard on one of our podcasts from last week where he talks specifically about the idea of bringing hockey, NHL hockey, that is, to Utah. So we'll get into that with Elliot. Also, you know, the usual updates, you know, what is the latest with the Ottawa sale? That continues. Uh, the commissioner mentioning over the weekend at his availability that it sounds as if this is going to wrap up in the next few weeks. I believe the BOG is June 22nd. So will it coincide with the BOG? Will it go a little bit later than the BOG? We shall see uh, what happens there. Also, we'll talk about Mike Babcock. Now, when his contract is officially over the Toronto Maple Leafs, he will become the next head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, we'll talk to Elliot about this. Also, I'll talk to Aaron Portsline at the bottom of the hour. He covers CBJ for The Athletic and will go a little bit deeper and, I mean, we should probably ask the obvious question. Who needs to be most concerned here on this Columbus Blue Jackets roster? And 
this is a hiring that doesn't come that doesn't come without its fair share of controversy for all the reasons that have been discussed either here or elsewhere. We'll get into those with Portsline coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we'll talk today about the uh, Cole, Cole Caulfield contract extension. Uh, geez, holy alliteration, Batman. It is eight years, $7.85 million. So that puts him in the uh, the Brady Kachuk, Jordan Cairo, uh, just a shade below what Nick Suzuki got from the Montreal Canadiens. He kind of goes into that spot. Uh, Keith Jones, Flyers president of hockey operations, who still are finishing his contract with uh, with TNT covering the Stanley Cup final. We'll talk to Jonesy in hour two. And Eric Engels, as I mentioned, we'll talk to him. Did I mention Engels? Engels is coming up. We'll talk about the Cole Caulfield. Con- uh, we'll have a conversation about Cole Caulfield and his contract extension. And also, as we finish up here and give way to Elliot Friedman, congratulations to the Quebec Ramparts of the QMJHL. It seems like, because they have, every season a team from the QMJHL uh, wins a Memorial Cup. Last uh, year it was the St. John Sea Dogs. This year the Quebec Ramparts. So congratulations to that organization and their coach and general manager, Patrick Waugh. What does this win do for his coaching fortunes in the NHL? Anything? Let's have the talk, shall we? Merrick Show. Elliot on the other side. Let's kick it off. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, welcome back to the program. So as we mentioned, bottom of the line, bottom of the hour, Aaron Port's line, Keith Jones coming up in hour two. You'll hear from Ryan Smith um, from the 32 Thoughts podcast last week. He's the owner of the Utah Jazz trying to bring the NHL to Utah. Gary Bettman mentioned it over the weekend, so we thought we'd share a little bit of that podcast with you today. And Eric Engels from Sportsnet on the Caulfield extension, eight years, 7.85 is the AAV. As we head to Vegas right now and say good morning where he is, and it might be morning where you are as well to Elliot Friedman. How are you today, Fridge? I'm good, Jeff. I'm outside. I am uh, I haven't gone to the pool. I actually worked out, but I'm looking at the pool. And yes. We've got a game in a few hours. It's uh, Life could be, be a lot worse. Do you like fast pitch by any, by any chance, like softball? I, I do. I enjoy I enjoy playing it, and I enjoy watching it. Yes. Why? What are you doing? Well, you know, well, I always forget that every time uh, we come down here at this time of year, they've got the NCAA baseball, and the, which is played by the men, yep. and the softball, which is played yep. by the women. And I, I love it. Like I, that was one of the things I used to really enjoy That's about great. being on the road during the playoffs is watching the, the softball, the fast pitch in yeah. particular. Like they're both great tournaments, but I, I love, I love yep. fast pitch. I really love it. Uh, it is very cool. I still, like, when you look at the velocity that they throw, and you can say oh. the same thing about hardball as well, how, how they're able to get the barrel around so clean on those pitches to me is remarkable. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's fantastic. I, I really love it. And uh, it was, I was watching, actually, a game. It was a really good game yesterday between Stanford and Washington. I know I'm really going off on a tangent here, but it was, uh, it's, it, it, was just, it was just great, great, great entertainment and, mm-hmm. and inten- intense action. I, I just love it. Anyway, apropos of nothing, Jeff, that's what I just wanted to open up with by talking about. 
Well, sounds like you're having fun and sounds like you got the Elliot Friedman executive workout in already and probably having a nice <laughs> yeah. glass of uh, grapefruit juice by the pool watching uh, watching uh, people do yoga. So you're off to a good start today, Elliot Friedman. Uh, speaking of great action, uh, regardless of whether you cheer for Vegas or you cheer for the Florida Panthers, that was just a flat-out good game on Saturday night. And we cross our fingers that we get another good one tonight in Game 2. Uh, just some wide-brush thoughts on this one, what we saw uh, on Saturday, there was the Aiden Hill save that reminded us of uh, Holt beyond Tuck uh, back in that Washington yep. Capitals Vegas Golden Knights final. Uh, what what did you take away from uh, from what we saw on on Saturday, which opened up by the way with a shorthanded goal? There's a nice little nice little touch by Eric Stahl. Yeah, it should have ended the penalty, right? Thank you, Elliot. I fed you that You're one. Welcome. You took it. Yeah. Boom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> There's one thing I know is how to do. It's nibble a worm on a hook. Anyway, uh, I, first of all, I just wanted to say, you know, what a great, what a great atmosphere to watch games. Uh, you know, they're going to have a performance yeah. by live performance by Lil John to open up the show tonight. Um, uh, but it, what it, was this? What a great place to watch the game. Like it's an energetic building. It's loud. It's uh, it's uh, like there's a lot of energy inside and outside the rink. People were psyched up. Uh, I thought the game was really good. I liked it, Jeff. I agree with you. I thought Hill was the biggest difference maker on the ice. Not only that save, but if there was any doubt at the end of the game, uh, the Reinhardt uh, save on the breakaway on the on the uh, Vegas power play. I liked how right after they scored yeah. the empty net goal, there were three Vegas skaters who went right to Hill to like you know give him his props for saving their bacon. Um, that was good. Uh, I I mean one thing I've noticed like geez, do people hate Nick Haig? Like, is there a guy who can make people hate him more than, than Nick Haig? He takes two sucker punches. Yeah. He drove Max Domi crazy the last game. But I think the one thing that yes. uh, the one thing that Vegas really showed in game one, I thought, Jeff, was that uh, the way that Florida gets under your skin, like when they're losing, we know what Kachuk does. We know what Bennett does. We've seen it drive other teams crazy at different points during the playoffs. The Golden Knights sent a message that this is not going to bother us, and this is not going to work on us. Yeah. So we'll see how you Florida know, adjusts. You know, I'm I'm glad you mentioned Nick Hag because you know the the season didn't exactly start the way that Nick Hag or the Vegas Golden Knights wanted. There was a, a contract situation. He yeah. was away from the team, uh, skating with the Kitchener Rangers of the OHL, and there were some that were like, okay, they, they're not going to be able to do this. They're not going to be able to make the money work. You know, they have other defensemen here. You know, cut bait with Nick Haig, find something else or or someone else. But it was it was pretty obvious to to anybody watching the Vegas Golden Knights and specifically to Kelly McCrimmon, this guy's a pretty big piece. Like it seems like everyone on the first of all, everybody on that blue line is huge. Um, second of yeah. all, everybody's in their spot and everybody fits. Petrangelo fits, Theodore fits, the gorgeous goal on Saturday, Zach Whitecloud fits, Nick Haig yeah. fits. Like everything about this blue line, Elliot, really it's like a Rubik's Cube and it finally just when it clicks together, you just stand back and you, you look at it and say it's a that's a thing of beauty. And that's what I think about when I see Alec Martinez in that that back end of the Vegas Golden Knights. You have a quick thought on Nick Haig and that blue line? Well, first, I, I really like Haig. I'm with you, too. I think he's a really, really talented player. And I I think, like, he's the kind of guy, like, you know, one of the guys I kind of wonder about, if we're ever going to see offer sheets, one of the guys I kind of wonder about is Keandre Miller. Like, that. Like to me, if I was yes. if I was ever a guy who believed in offer sheets or wanted to use an offer sheet, he would be the kind of guy I would yeah. look at. And Haig would have been the kind of guy last year. I, I, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, 
what what are we talking about, Jeff? You got to win the cup three ways. You you got to win the cup with great goaltending, your star players playing like star mm-hmm. players, and effective depth. And Haig has been some of the most effective depth in these playoffs. And you know, the other thing I like to say is, you know, people like to talk about how size doesn't matter on the blue line anymore. Like when you talk about Vegas's blue know. line and how big <laughs> it is, you know why I think size matters? It's not. And, and, and one of the players in the, in the in Stanley Cup final talked about this last year. If you look at the, at the two teams, because Gerard was out, between Colorado and Tampa, if you look at the way they're listed on like NHL.com, the smallest guy in the final mm-hmm. last year was Kale McCarr. And what that does is when you're trying to skate through that thicket of defense that teams like Vegas play, is that... There, when you're trying to get through their zone, there's always like a stick there. There's always like a, an arm there, a leg, a body, or something. Like it's it, you're constantly trying to go through things, and that's what to me what mobile size does. It's not about necessarily punishing someone. It's just about making it harder to get through the offensive zone. And I think that's what Vegas's blue line does. Uh, okay, a couple of things. Uh, the story of the day. So, again, game two tonight. Um, you can watch this one on CBC and Sportsnet, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7.30 pregame. Ron McClain, your host, is the Vegas Golden Knights looking to take a 2 nothing series lead on the Florida Panthers. Uh, the news of today is the Cole Caulfield extension. Later yep. on, I'll talk to Eric Engels from Sportsnet.ca about it. It is eight years. It is 7.85 on the AAV, which puts him in uh, Brady Kachuk, Andrei Svechnikov territory. Your thoughts on this one? Yep. Well, I, I think that's kind of what people expected. I, I think that the, one of the things that I had really heard from the beginning when uh, everything was getting started with Caulfield and the Canadians was that the Canadians were going to go for turn. Like they were really going to push for turn. And I think it's a smart strategy. Is you know One of the things I talk about, Jeff, is I think if you feel you have a player who's a cornerstone piece, sign them for as long as you can because the price never goes down. And uh, I know that there was some thought that they might have to take um, uh, a bridge deal, and initially I thought that too, but I, I, it became pretty clear during the process it was going to be term, and it was going to have to be around Suzuki's number. So, um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, a player has a choice to make. Am I going to be happy or not? And obviously Cole Caulfield's happy, and that's a lot of money. So I, I really can't... Uh, if the player's happy and the team's happy, then it's a win-win, and it sounds like both are the case. I don't think anybody is surprised, and I, like, I don't care if fans were freaking out a little bit. I never saw this as there was anything to worry about here. Never. Mm-hmm. Does it, considering how it, it does get close to the, uh, to the Nick Suzuki deal, and um, you know, Nick Suzuki is 7.88 or 7.875 specifically, I mean, we're, we're, ta- we're talking about, you know, nickels and dimes here between the two. Uh, but when I saw the number, my first thought was, does that mean, considering how close he came to Suzuki's number but didn't go over it, I sound like I'm on the prices right here, um, does that mean that the Nick Suzuki contract, in Kent Hughes's mind, is the ceiling for Montreal? You know, my old saying, my grandmother's saying, you plan, God laughs. I'm sure Montreal yes. would like to keep it that way, but... Who knows? Like maybe, you know, depending on where uh, other people go over the next few years and where the cap goes, you might, you might want to keep it that way, but it doesn't always, you know, work that way. Look, last year, Boston, they didn't want to go where they went with Pasternak, but I give that kid all the credit in the world. He was, he said, look, like this is what it's going to be. And ultimately 
You know, I don't think Boston wanted to do it, but they knew he's, this is a stud player and he stood up for what he wanted and the Bruins were taken into his own. They didn't want to go in, but so you can sit there and say, this is our number. This is our number. This is our number. But sometimes you get a player that says, Hey, you do this or you lose me and it changes. Still my favorite saying, uh, your grandma, the best. You plan, God laughs. Uh, congratulations in order to the Quebec Ramparts of the QMJHL Memorial Cup champions. And the question becomes, what next for their head coach slash general manager, Patrick Waugh? And I want to get to Mike Babcock here in a second, but we know that there was some type of communication. I don't even know how to describe it, Elliot. I'm not sure if, if you do, but there was contact between Columbus and Patrick Waugh. Obviously, that yep. did not lead to a job. And we'll get to Babcock in a second. But does the does a Memorial Cup win like that where, you know, I think the team only lost like 12 games all year. I mean, just spectacular yeah. performance by, by Patrick Waugh's Ramparts. Does this do anything more for Patrick Waugh other than just add another in a long list of trophies, both as a player or as a coach slash manager for Patrick Waugh? Well, like I look at it this way. If, if I ran a team, I would at least want to talk to him. You know, like, yes, you know, first of all, I, I have always loved Watt, always like just as a player, I loved him covering him. I loved him. Um, you know, I recognize he's not perfect. He's got his faults, but I've, the, the thing I've always loved about him is just his supreme confidence. And like, I, I think that is so important. Like to me, like we all go through phases in our lives where we're not, we don't feel great or, something bad happens to us and, and we have to fight our way through it. There, I think I can count on one hand the number of people who I've seen more confident than Wah. And the thing that I always really liked about him was that, like, I just remember people who were around him talk glowingly about when it wasn't going well, how hard he worked to get back to where he wanted to be, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, 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 I would want that around my team. Uh, and, and, you know, the one thing I know that scares people is that the way he left Colorado, like that, I remember people telling me that he will never get an NHL job because of that, because you can't risk it, that happening to you. Now, it's been a long time, and I think everybody deserves a chance to show that when they make a mistake like that or they do something like that, if they learn their lesson, you would have to convince people. But, like, you know, Jeff, I don't follow it like you do. But I couldn't help but watch as much as I could of this and say, like, how can you not at least think about this? Now, I I haven't been looking much at social today, but some people told me that there's some rumors he's back in the Ranger job. Unless that happened this morning, like, that, that's not what I heard. Like, I heard on the weekend they were kind of deciding between Hines and Laviolette. Like, if there's someone else there, I, I didn't know about it. But as far as I heard, as of last night, the Rangers hadn't spoken to him. Now, maybe they pick up the phone and they make the call today. But, like, if I was, if I was Calgary or Anaheim, like, I, I would be calling this guy and well, just saying, hey, at least I want uh, to hang, talk to you. Hang on to Anaheim because I just made an announcement. Uh, Greg Cronin is now the, uh, the head coach. So we talked oh, about him Cronin, last eh? year with the Colorado Eagles. The far, yeah, so it's Greg Cronin. Uh, who ends up with the job. So Greg Cronin wow. was, uh, was coaching the Colorado Eagles. That was actually Eagles one of, of my American good predictions that came true. 
So you you, you got this one, Freed. So the head coach for like yeah, five or six years with uh, with with the Eagles. I mean, he'd been on the NHL bench with the Islanders and the the Maple Leafs previous as well. A, a quick thought on Greg Cronin uh, getting a shot at the big chair. He's been an assistant in the NHL a number of different years, uh, but now he gets the mm-hmm. big chair with the Anaheim Ducks. Um, well, like I'll tell you this. So this year there was a kid. I, uh, Oh, the, one of the one of the NCAA free agents went to Colorado and signed with the uh, Eagles, their American Hockey League team. And uh, mm-hmm. and I, I said, "Well, that's interesting. Like, why would you go there?" Like, I look at their blue line, and I'm like, "Why? Why would you? Why would you pick them?" And I was told one of the reasons he picked them was because he knew he needed some work, and that coach in Anaheim, Cronin is excellent like he's he's hard but he's fair and he pushes players to be better and he is a really good teacher and uh like the, and and this person said to me if i was an nhl coach who needed to develop young players i would be going after him and uh so you know like right at the beginning when anaheim's coaching search was open i think you and i talked about him about how he might be yep. the kind of guy that that Verbeek would go for, and I have to say, I'm I am not surprised in the least bit that they picked this guy. I didn't know uh, I didn't know it was imminent. I thought Verbeek might do some more interviews this week, but I knew absolutely mm-hmm. he was on their radar. Uh, a long time, uh, as I mentioned, coach of the uh, the Colorado Eagles uh, has been on an NHL bench before. If you're just joining us, Greg Cronin is now the head coach of the Anaheim. Ducks. Um, so a couple of things there. So with uh, our previous conversation about Patrick Waugh, so congratulations, Quebec Ramparts. Uh, they win the Memorial Cup. MVP James Malatesta. It was a fifth-round draft pick of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Patrick Waugh will not be his coach in Columbus. It will be Mike Babcock when he gets there. Uh, your thoughts on, and this this one comes with some controversy, as we all know, and we'll have to wait until his contract is done with the Toronto Maple Leafs until he officially takes over uh, with Columbus. But uh, a quick thought on Mike Babcock taking the reins in Columbus. They had talked to him a while ago, didn't they, Fridge? Yeah, uh, I don't know if there's any quick thoughts on this one, but, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, he right from the beginning, he was high on their list. Um, you know, the, the one thing I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious about is, like, there was a rumor going around, like, early in their search that they'd offered him the job. And some people were wondering if he turned it down or he said, I need more time to think about it. And, you know, and uh, he went away. I know he went away on a trip. And, uh, I mean, obviously he thought about it and took it. Um, you know, they're not announcing it to June 30th. And I, I do believe on some level, uh, well, never mind. On some level, I do believe that's a financial decision. You know, the Maple Leafs have yeah. still have to pay him uh, quite a bit in June. Like he had a big contract, so um, and so I think that's why I think that's why they're waiting to officially announce it. Um, but uh, Babcock, uh, he's he's going there, and um, you know it's it's going to be interesting, Jeff. Just in the sense that um, you know, obviously, he's going to have to answer some questions about. Uh, you know, what he's learned and, and how he'll do some things differently. Um, you know, I I heard over the weekend that, you know, there were a lot of calls made, not only by Columbus, but I think players, 
uh, on because as I mentioned on Saturday night, I think some of the players knew about this or at least the possibility that this was going to happen. They, they'd spoken to their players yeah. about it. What if we do this? So I think a number of those players were, were calling other players or their agents were calling their players who might be on other teams um, that were with Babcock before. Like there was a lot of uh, intel being taken. And, you know, I, I think the one thing that someone said to me, and this was actually a player, he said, you know, I think everybody's going to take a deep breath and not get caught up in the whirlwind and just, you know, think about how everyone's going to feel. And I'm sure Babcock's going to talk to people, and I'm sure the Blue Jackets are going to talk to people. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I, I think that some of those players are probably going to just, you know, want to take a step back. Okay, how do I feel about this? And maybe I have some questions or what's this all going to mean? And because um, I think everybody's kind of looking at it. Okay, like that shock bomb got dropped on Saturday. And now what is the fallout? And, you know, what someone, what, one of the, what, what he said to me was, don't jump to any conclusions. Like, we, we kind of have to figure out what all this means and where this is all going to go, I think, before anybody makes any kind of statement or comment about, like, you know, people are wondering, like, are, are free agents going to refuse to go there? Are players going to ask to be traded? I don't know that it's going to be anything like that. And I don't know if it's going to be that quick. I think everybody's still taking their time to digest the news. Yeah, I, I think we're all sort of, you know, wondering, you know, which players are having, you know, mis- misgivings about this or, or second thoughts about, you know, staying with Columbus. And I, uh, I, I quickly remind myself of, you know, all these assumptions we make between the relationship of the coach and the player. And I think you and I talked about this, that I don't know about you, but I didn't think for one second Elliot's that in Philadelphia the combination of Owen Tippett and John Tortorella was going to work I thought this Mm -hmm. was a disaster in the making didn't seem like a Tortorella guy Um, you know Tippett didn't seem like he was going to react well at all to John Tortorella as a coach like it just seemed like this is an awful situation that's about to happen and I couldn't have been more wrong and it worked out great. And Owen Tippett had, you know, a, a wonderful season. And as much as we made assumptions about both the coach and the player, I know I was proven completely wrong. So I might look at this and say, ooh, I'm not so sure this is going to be great for Patrick Line or Johnny Gaudreau or whomever. I catch myself and I say, I've said these things before and been proven wrong. Um, I, I guess in this situation, you just got to see what happens and see what unfolds and see if Mike Babcock is indeed. We've heard it before from some coaches. Sometimes it's been true. Other times it hasn't been. Just got to wait to see if he is indeed a changed man. I mean, there's no denying that he's a great coach. You know, there's no denying this guy knows hockey. It's all the other stuff that, that, that comes along with it. But we'll, we'll, uh, we'll stand by to, to see what happens here. Does this, because, um, you know, Jarmo Kekalainen's had... Uh, Todd Richards, he's had John Tortorelli, he's had Brad Larson, now he has Mike Babcock. Does this feel like a lot now is on, you know, eyes more on Yarmo Kekalainen than ever before? Well, look, I think that this could be his last hire as a head coach. You know, like, there's no question about that. Like, it's, like, he's the one, like, he's he's taking a risk. Like, there's no question about this. Like, if it, if it doesn't work, um, it's going to 
it's going to be on him. Like he made the call. So, um, you know, I think that's, I, I'll be, yes, it's a big, it's a, it's a big, it's a, like, first of all, I'm not surprised that Kekalainen's the kind of guy who would do it. I think, like, he strikes me as a guy who is, like, we talk about Patrick Waugh's confidence. I don't know if Kekalainen's at that level, but he's a very confident guy. He believes in what he's doing, yeah. and I, I'm not surprised if he would be the kind of person to make this call. You know, the other thing, too, is we should mention Rick Nash, and someone called me yesterday and said, you're shortchanging Rick Nash. And I said, why is that? And he goes, because you said he played a big role in the 2010 team. He also won a gold medal in 2014. So I guess I have to remember this yeah. Rick Nash erasure. Um, you know, I, I think he played <laughs> a role in this. Like, I I do. I think yeah. that I think he was one of the people saying that, you know, this can work. And, you know, one of the things I'll say this about uh, about Babcock is that one of the things I think he's going to have to fix is, you know, Tortorella, one of the things about him is that he may be hard on people, but the overall atmosphere around him isn't necessarily bad. Like, he does try to create situations where it's a little bit lighter sometimes and it's, it's not a constant cloud hanging over people. I think if you look at Calgary this year, unfortunately there was a, a constant cloud. And in Toronto, at the end of the term, People who played there said just every day was intense and stressful. And I think that that is the thing that you have to manage. Like, I understand when I'm at work, I'm there to work, and I have to give my best, and that's exactly why he's been hired. They felt their team was too loosey-goosey. However, it can't be like that all the time. You have to create an environment where if, you know, the players are not uh, doing something where they have to be focused on it, you can – enjoy life a bit more you can relax and i think especially that's true now and someone said to me that's the number one thing that they think that babcock will have to change from the end of his time in toronto is that okay you can be tough during practices or on the bench but at other times you have to create a more fun environment and that definitely was not happening at the end in toronto I'm going to talk to Aaron Portsline here from The Athletic in a couple of moments more on uh, the Mike Babcock hiring. Uh, real quick before I let you go, whether it was Gary Bettman at the presser, whether it was Gary Bettman in conversation with Ron McLean, uh, around the Arizona Coyotes situation, you know, this is about as close, I can recall, as Gary Bettman saying, like, we're looking at a decision here and we may be pulling up stakes. Uh, there is a ticking clock for sure. Your thoughts on the, the comments from the commissioner over the weekend about Arizona? Boy, it sure sounds like like some kind of expansion or, or relocations coming here. Like, there's a lot of momentum for yeah. Atlanta. Like, the word, the word here is if that ring can get built in um, Alpharetta, that is very real, uh, Jeff. And, you know, you heard what yeah. Ryan Smith had to say. So there, there's definitely something going on here. You know, just a couple other things I wanted to mention, Jeff. Calgary, I think yep. they're going to begin their second phase of interviews pretty soon. I think it's going to be four or five uh, can, uh, candidates, second uh, round. Um, I think that they're, I think what Calgary's looking at is like someone who's a bit fresher, maybe not someone who hasn't, maybe, I, I don't think, like, I think it's possible it's someone who doesn't have an NHL experience. I also think it's possible it's someone who does have at least one coaching uh, stint in their past. 
but I don't think it's going to be anybody who's been around a while. I think they're looking a little bit okay. newer, I think is what I've heard. And the other thing I want to mention is I think okay. Nick mentioned at some point last week about the possibility of Shane Doan in Toronto. I don't, I don't know that it's going to happen, but I don't think Nick is wrong about the idea of that. So, you know, he mentioned it somewhere. Someone sent it to me yesterday. So I just wanted to back mm. his comment. In, in, interesting on that. I always suspected that if, if Shane Doan was going to land anywhere, it was going to be with the Philadelphia Flyers with Daniel Briere. They've worked on a number of uh, international teams together, worked together in, in Arizona with the Coyotes. I'd always wondered if there was, if that was going to happen, but uh, we will uh, we will stand by to find out where, where Shane Doan ends up here. Uh, okay, very good. Uh, enjoy the rest of your morning slash afternoon, and we will be watching tonight for Game 2. Thanks, Rich. I'm, I'm all sweaty and gross, just the way everybody loves me. Ah, lovely visual there as, uh, as Elliot Friedman departs from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night uh, in Canada.